Welcome to episode 694 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 694 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? John, there's three things to talk about before we even start the show. First of all, there was, there was a bit of a rustle. I wear the earphones to make sure the sound's okay. There was a bit of a rustle before, and I figured out that John's beard was scratching his jacket. My pack and save uh, so I said, John, winter jacket. Zip it down a little bit. <laughs> We've got God. a 70s porn star in the room. Too. I just need the gold medallion. <laughs> He's got no t-shirt underneath his jacket, so they hear it. Actually, I'm making a photo. There'll be a photo on the website. It's this week's photo. I'm going to get it after the show. Um, because you're looking like a sex bomb. That's right. Okay, I'll, I'll go for my next point is who cleans the windows in John, this place? John, that was my second point. There's bird shit all over the windows. Well, this is the problem. This window here, can you imagine how hard this window is to clean? It's quite highly elevated on a fairly steep slope. And basically, the deck below it's not a lot further enough out. Mm-hmm. So it's real mission. I cleaned the windows last week, John. Oh, no. The bird shit on the window bird's last night. just laughing at you. Oh, I'm not happy. It's, it's big, big time bird shit. And then lastly... We finally beat the Poms at something this week. Yeah, take that. <laughs> the Poms, are, they've been our nemesis this year. They've beat us in the Cricket in the World Cup. They've beat us in the Rugby World Cup. But we beat them in a game of Test Cricket. That's right. Five days long. For non-cricket listeners, that takes five days. Yeah, and we, we did absolutely spank their bottoms. Finally. Jeez, you Poms are just destroying us this year. It's breaking my heart. John, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by... Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer. And our patrons. And it's name a few Jumbo. Richard Torpedo Thorpe. We've got Matthew the Hustler Chef. And Anna the Theropod Demolopolis. I reckon you actually nailed that. Okay. I think you're on fire with Demop- that one, John. Demopolis. Demopolis. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got our hot topic of the week. We've got an age group of the week. We've got Bevan's Coach's Corner. We haven't got an age group of the week. We've got Pros of the Week. Pros of the Week. We've got Bevan's Special Corner. Bevan's, oh, is it my Special Corner? Yeah. <laughs> Bevan's Naughty Corner. <laughs> uh, what else we've got? We've got some questions and answers. We might have some random tips from John. Yes, it was a quick uh, preparation this morning. I was race directing at the weekend and then had catch-up day yesterday, so it was quick preparation, but it's going to be a high-quality show, so buckle in. Oh, buckle in, team. Buckle in, buttercup. Okay, we had a couple Ironman races happen over the weekend. A female pro race only was Ironman Arizona. John, what do we have happen here? Okay, I just tuned in very briefly, uh, and they were on the run league, so they had the Ironman live coverage there on Facebook, uh, and Sarah Crowley just looked awesome. Awesome on the run. She had a couple of minutes lead over Heather Jackson and held it off uh, for a very fast time, 8.49.37. Uh, it wasn't a course record or anything like that. The swim times are really slow this year for some reason. So Meredith Kessler, who's normally you know, a really top swimmer, she was only 53 minutes 44. Uh, Sarah Crowley was 55 and Heather Jackson was 101. So it seems like they were pretty slow. Uh, well, they're saying that. Look at Lord and Laura Brandon. Yeah, but she's an act. She you normally oh, beats most of the fellas out. So oh, she, she, okay. she went 49.50. So I'd probably say maybe one to two minutes slow. Uh, Sarah Crowley went 55 for the swim, 4.45 on the bike, and a 3.03 run for an 8.49.37. Solid. Solid to win by uh, around about six minutes over Heather Jackson, who pretty much more or less, if you added their bike and run splits together, I'd say they're almost exactly the same. So she basically lost it in the swim. John, the question I have 
is, you know, when we first started, you know, it was can guys go under eight hours? And at that stage, women were going under nine hours, but it was pretty rare. So, you know, it was probably three or four had gone under nine hours. That was the standard. Mm. John Everson has the sub eight hour guys and the sub nine hours. Nowadays, it's eight and a half for females. That's the standard, isn't it? If we're going to say legendary performance. Oh, I'd say 840 is probably the standard in terms of amaze balls. Like you might get a couple in a year that go under 840. Okay. Uh, I would say that. But 830, nobody's been, only Chrissy's. I suppose Chrissy's Danielle been under 8.30. I don't know if Danielle Reef has or not. Look. You can look, look that up. Mm. Um, but yeah, I agree. It is, it's awesome to see the progress of the females. And for a long time, it, it kind of felt like the males had sort of stagnated a bit. But now, you know, the standard is sub sub eight in, in most races that are that are easy to moderate courses. So it's just awesome to see the progression. I think, you know, technology has played a part of that, but also just the depth of the sport has uh, has increased as well. So, 826. So uh, the current record holder in the full course men's is 751. This must be old. Um, but That's Ironman record. Oh, no, no that, that's old. That's old. But, but she's gone 826 in Switzerland. Okay, so, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, third place was Meredith Kessler, so good to see her still. She's not quite at her top game these days, but still banging out third place. Melanie McQuaid was fourth and Lauren Brandon in fifth. So at these races where it is uh, single gender only, they have more prize money, so 20 grand for Sarah Crowley, um, 10 grand for, uh, for Heather Jackson, and six and a half for Meredith Kessler. Goes down to 10th place. Do you think Kessler, no, so, so Jackson and Kessler took out the qualification spots. Do we think we see Kessler at Kona? She's... I'm not going to say never, but I don't recall her ever having a good Kona or even even being in the top ten. And she's someone who should have. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you know, she's she's of that category, isn't she? Yeah, but just for whatever reason, struggles over there. I've interviewed over there. It's uh, often nutrition related, um, but she just doesn't seem to be able to get it right over there. Okay, we also had Ironman Cosimo come up, and we were saying last week there seemed to be quite a few slots in there, and there was a reason for that. There was, and uh, and we were mistaken, but to be fair to us. Uh, it was a bit confusing because Bevan pulled it up. There was three slots for the men, three slots for um, the females. The females. Uh, there was more prize money. And I was saying, yeah, but uh, that Mal de Plata race in Argentina, that was the South American Regional Championships last year, and it is again this year. However, uh, this race in Cozumel was the Latin American Championships, so they've actually canned the race in Mar de Plata in terms of the pro race and obviously transferred everything across to here. So as Bevan said last week, uh, picked up three spots for the males, three for the females. I predicted, when uh, I, I, I guesstimated right. that Mayor Stage Nielsen, who finished 11th uh, in Kona, and she was our pro of the week last week, I thought she was going to take it out. But Carrie Lester, who is my other favourite, she... Uh, she very not. Oh, she was pretty close to a dojo domination, but crushing performance. So she swam at forty-five thirty-five. So okay, this is a, a sub one eight forty. Yeah, uh, this um, I agree, and she's done that once before as well. I think the swim in this race was particularly quick. It may not have been short, but they often have currents in Cozumel. Um, the guys were swimming thirty nines, and uh, Carrie Lester, who is not a demon swimmer, swam at forty-five. Uh, so okay. the swim was short, but still. She bloody smoked A38, nothing wrong with that. And uh, so she swam 45, biked 4.38 and ran a 3.10 for an 8.38.41. Um, she already had her Kona... No, she, did she already have her Kona slot? Carrie, no, she did not Carrie. No. Uh, Maya Stage Nielsen from Denmark was in third, uh, second, and she managed to leapfrog her fellow Dane on the run because Maya ran a 3.07 to come home in 
8.52 and Michelle Vesterby uh, came home in third, she only managed a 3.18 on the run, uh, so Denmark was second and third. Boy side of things? Uh, just a couple of notes here. Um, Susie Cheatham, she's would have been a regular favourite there. She DNF'd. Uh, on the male side of things, um, Patrick Nelson was leading off the bike, and then I uh, kind of expected him. I said he, he might be one to watch. Last week I was saying look out for Peter Hemerick. He was there off the bike as well. So they both exploded, did they? Yeah, Chris Lieferman, he didn't uh, go too well on the bike. He rode a 505, so must have had some mechanicals, you would assume. What uh, surprise, run? surprise winner here. Uh, Michael Weiss has been crush, you know, crushing races all over the world uh, in Kona as well as 70.3s and falls and he was second so that's no great surprise Tyler Butterfield tore the course to pieces on the run he wasn't really it was it was sort of sort of in contention off the bike but you know more for a, probably a top 10 top 5 sort of thing ran a 238.29 well, and it's a freakish run because when you look at the field basically mm. the, the next fastest runner was 10 minutes slower, faster or oh, slower insane so he swam 42 Rode five not four nineteen and then ran a two thirty eight for a seven forty four oh one. So again, you'd add a few minutes on for the swim there, maybe five to eight minutes on the swim, still seven fifty. Uh, insane. He just crushed it. Yeah, uh, is Tyler Butterfield always that good a runner? Well, he he went to the Commonwealth Games. When was that? Uh, what are we? Twenty nineteen now. Must have been two years ago. And he went to the try and he ran the marathon. That's right. I remember talking about that. For memory, I think he ran 220 high, a high 220 or something like that. So that's um, a pretty good effort then, isn't it? Yeah. So he's, he's, a, he's a solid athlete, but 238, that's as, pretty much as fast as you get in Ironman racing. Absolutely crushed it. Uh, Michael Weiss. And also, like, you know, because now admittedly it's not the strongest field of all time. Oh, I've it's seen, pretty but, good. But, but it's a good field, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a weak field. Yeah. And to be 10 minutes faster than everyone else. Yeah. So it's not like it was a fast day and he just had an extra, you know, a minute faster than everyone else. Exactly. You often look at go, 238, okay, what's everybody else running? Yeah. Were the conditions amazing? Um, what was going on there? But as Bevan said, Michael Weiss, 250. Um, Fred Van Laird, 302, and Tim O'Donnell, 303. It's probably not representation of their ability. But, um, you yeah, know, all the other guys are in the, there's one 247, the rest are all in 250s, and that's and pretty And there's only one, one low 250s, and everyone else is high 250s. And you look at the females' run splits, um, 307, 310, nothing special there. So he absolutely caned it. It's a freakish performance, isn't it? So he clearly must run, love Cozumel, because I did pull up that he also uh, absolutely crushed the 70.3 over there uh, not that long ago as well. So uh, he, and he actually beat the same guy again. He beat Michael Weiss into second place and he came home with a 114 in that race and again that was an absolute crushing because we look at the other uh, athletes there uh, Michael Weiss went 119 and Rudy Von Berg went 123 and the female splits and again nothing fast so he must have found some formula where he is just killing it on the run so impressive so Michael Weiss was second with a and he set a new bike course record I checked the bike distances he had it on Strava it was accurate so those times good. Are, are good uh, and Mario, Mario Delias was in third place in 7.52 as I said Tim O'Donnell he was down 8.06 he was in cont- sort of contention with the main group coming off the bike but um, only went a 3.03 so he just needed to do that to clip his ticket for Kona so Carrie Lester Maya Stage Nielsen and Michelle Vesterby take the female slots for Kona Tyler Butterfield, Michael Weiss, and Mario Delias uh, take the men's. So I did also I just because I wanted to know how old um, Butterfield is. Butterfield was, and I so I quickly looked up, and he's thirty six. So he had a long ITU career. He raced for Bermuda. How so, good was he? Oh, he was a good, steady Eddie sort yep. of guy. You know, maybe. Um, 
just trying to recall maybe some top tens here and there went to the olympics regularly yep. but wasn't wasn't really you know a podium sort of guy um yes yeah, so you found a good story about him yeah and I, I knew i wasn't sure if his mother and his father both went to the olympics running but he posted on it was on on the gram on the gram uh, he posted sorry for my mum for my run yesterday um, his mum's PR for the marathon is 2.38 which is what he ran as wow. well so maybe he beat it by a handful of seconds uh, and she, this was when she did the first women's uh, Olympic marathon trials in 1984 when wow. he was one year old now at that time was it 84 was the first women's Olympic marathon mm. that's that great one so there's a do you know the story of that one no. There's a, I can't remember the lady who won it, but basically she was a bit of a legend, but she just trained herself and broke herself. So mm-hmm. she turned up to the race. I think she had like like a broken bone even. Like it was yep. pretty bad, whatever she had. Turned up to the race and everyone thought, oh, she's not even a contender. So she mm-hmm. took off at the start and they all let her go. Mm-hmm. And she held off and won the whole bloody thing. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was a really awesome. And there's a really good kind of YouTube clip about her. It was pretty phenomenal. It was 84 uh, LA? LA? Yeah. Yeah. Seoul was 88. Yeah. Yeah. 92. Barcelona, yeah, ninety six, Atlanta, Atlanta two thousand Sydney, China, China, and then London, London, then Rio. No, no, no. we missed something there. Where was London? Was London? London was London must have been two oh eight. Beijing was twenty twelve. Rio was twenty sixteen. We, we missed two thousand and four. What was two thousand and four? Athens. Athens. There we go. Ah, oh. good times. Where's the next one? Is it Paris? To- uh, or Tokyo this year, and then Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Um, porno's going to Tokyo. Nice. Oh, I love your work, porno. Uh, okay, John, we've also got a little bit of other news here. This race gets mentioned every year, only for one reason. We've just got to mention it. It's, just, it's a good race. Uh, Laguna Phuket race. Imogene Simons, who we had on the show fairly recently, caned Emma Pallant by six minutes. So, so the distance is over there, 1.8k swim, 50k bike, 12k run. Uh, and then Rudy Wilde beat out good old Michael Raylert uh, in a fairly close race by just over a minute. Uh, I'm in Western Australia is coming up uh, on the 1st of December, so coming up pretty soon. It's going to be pretty interesting race what's in, what happens there. Let's have a look at the field, John. So if we look over the last few years, Terenzo Pizzoni has been dominant. He's won He's it the last it. three times and had some great races. One time he did a 7-12. Was that when they, that was when they came the swim? Yeah. The <laughs> shark attack. So is he racing? No, he's not. Oh, I wonder why. Uh, I think he, I, th- I think he must still be injured because he pulled out of Kona, uh, yep. and so. Yeah. So if all this field turns up, it's an interesting field. Uh, it is indeed. So uh, if you look at the the bib numbers for the race organisers have assigned, Alistair Brownlee's got bib number one, uh, Cameron Brown's got bib number two, Tim Van Burkle three, and Kyle Buckingham four, and then Matt Burton five on the male side of things. So what, yeah, probably going to see, I, I think Alistair Brownlee's going to cane this race. He's got to go have, for it, mate, doesn't he? I just he? have this feeling that he's going to cane it. His challenge is he's going to be by himself probably uh, all day because there might be a couple of fellas that um, keep up on the, the swim, maybe Clayton for tell and uh, it looks like we've got an Ironman debut for Sam Appleton according to Torsten's ratings he doesn't have any times who's he uh, he's a very good 70.3 athlete from Australia so those guys may keep up in the swim uh, so hopefully Brownlee has some company on the bike to keep it uh, interesting um, so it's just going to be a case of does he blow up or does he not mm. uh, but there's some, there's some very good athletes here as well Kyle Buckingham um, Brownie will be always nipping at people's feet he'll be a long way down after He'll the be swim. chasing Ernie. Um, and then Tim Van Burkle as well so it's, it's, a, it's a good feel but you kind of think if Brownlee can produce a you know a solid race, I reckon he's going to crush it and he's going to go sub eight hours easily. If he doesn't qualify, what next? 
Yeah, well, I don't think we'll see him at Kona next year. Well, probably not. I guess it depends. You know, so his plan, from what he seems to be saying, is he's going to do this race, try to get his ticket for Kona, and then try to focus all his efforts on qualifying for for Tokyo. Um, you're going to know about Tokyo probably mid, you know, probably yeah. by June-ish time, I would have thought. And so if he doesn't tick that box, then he might go and do another Ironman Will it be if he late? doesn't qualify. Because uh, they're racing late July. Yeah, you'd think, you'd think they'd have their team um, sorted by then. You'd hope so. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it'd be earlier. Yeah, well, they'll probably base, a lot of the teams will base it off Yokohama, which I, just off the top of my head is probably in May, okay. and that'll probably be a fairly high determining factor because similar conditions, obviously same um, area, fairly similar course uh, so I think a lot of countries will be using that as their final sort of qualifying race um, I'm pretty sure that's the case for New Zealand so I'm excited to see what Brownlee can do this weekend uh, you know he's learned probably learned a lot in the first couple of times and this time got to see if he can really do it it's a pity Terenzo's not there but isn't it it is because uh, this is race it, it, it is he wouldn't have kept up in the swim but he would have possibly caught him up on the bike and, and also been... just something about owning a race you know, it does give you, you know, we talk about those mental edges that you sometimes get, which kind of you can't put your finger on, but they do count. Mm. And, you know, being a three-time winner, coming back to a race, is, is something that comes with that. The, the time is ticking away for Terenzo. You know, he's still in his prime, but he's obviously had that accident. But, you know, in terms of him being a Kona contender, he's probably only got a couple of years to go, you'd think. He's not much luck in Kona or poor Terenzo. Okay, John, what's happening in the female side of the race? Uh... Agnieszka Jerks from Poland is uh, rated as the top seed. She's only done one uh, iron distance race. So she's ranked number one in front of Teresa Adam. So Teresa Adam was one of the females who declined her Kona slot last year. She did extremely well and qualified twice but declined both times. Uh, Sarah Pampiano and Susie Cheatham. Uh, Susie Cheatham's got an asterisk next to her name. It says a few others like Michelle Vestiby who raced elsewhere. So quite a few asterisks in the females race. You kind of think um, it's probably going to be th- between those top three and see Susie Cheatham if she's in the mix. So should be a really, really good race for the females. Okay, John, uh, we've also got Ironman Mild Depleter. And that's, but that's, as I said earlier, that's an age group only race um, because they seem to have canned the, the pro race there. Uh, and then we've also got this weekend the Patagonia Man in Chile, which is one of the X sort of races. One of the X sort of races. Okay, John, this week's discussion, that's pretty much There's no ITU update this week. Nothing happening on the ITU now. They're done and dusted for the season. When does the next race start? Well, we kind of have, you have some second tier races probably starting in uh, Mar- probably even before that. Um, you know, we have some in New Zealand, Australia, maybe the old World Cup in March, but that's the main sort of thing. And then... I think it's end of March or April is probably Abu Dhabi. Okay, uh, this week's discussion, John, is what was the funniest or most cringeworthy thing that you have seen or had happen to you in a triathlon? Toilet humour is okay. I'll start with you. I've got Brian Asprey. Good old Asprey. Asprey's a bloody local reporter. Is it, he's on uh, News Sports Reporter. Radio. Mm-hmm. That's good work he does, actually. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's a good rugby commentator, too. Yes. Yep. Uh, two years ago, Ironman Western Australia, the swim was cancelled because of, of a shark. My wife filmed me in a wee video for a Facebook explanation as to what happened as we stood around waiting for the revised start. I finished the video saying, sharks are wankers. <laughs> Little did I realise that there was a group of four or five guys, I think from Sydney, standing behind me in a kit in the, in the lines of Sharks Triathlon team. Yeah. <laughs> it's gold. So, so, so after my sharks are wanker comment, one of the blokes turned around and says, in a slow Aussie draw, geez, that's a bit rough, mate. I waited for, for the earth to swallow me up. That is gold. Michael Walker, during the run leg of the Surf Coast 
try in Torquay many years ago, I heard a lady's voice calling for help from behind some bushes. I went around to see what the problem was and found an elderly lady who had rolled her mobility scooter. I offered to help her, but she told me to keep on running and tell her husband at the next aid station that she was in need of help. Really? <laughs> what a chance of that? No. Uh, Paul Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick, Alpe d'Huez Long Triathlon 2010, put a t-shirt over my two-piece try during the run for reasons I can't remember. Halfway around the trail run section, I was in need of a comfort break, found a portaloo, opened the door to a European squat and drop toilet and heaved, decided that I was better off on the grass behind the loo too, then had to use the t-shirt to clean up and abandon it on the grass. Sorry, Alpe d'Huez. You are uh, Brent Chan. Wow. wow! Wildflower Triathlon. Coed University student removes her bikini top and starts running back towards the races on the run. I can't remember if it made me run faster or slower. The thing here is, I was wondering, initially when I read that, I thought she'd taken her top off and she was running backwards to the finish line and so you oh. was chasing her down. Um, but yes. Wildflower was what all the boys would do the naked run as well, wasn't it? Probably yes Remember there was that picture of Mecca Yeah And there's a crew of about seven guys Running yeah. naked beside him Yeah Yeah Good times um, Clive Aspen's got Aspen's got A friend of mine brought in A nice new Very pointy aero helmet For a half Ironman Which he put on Back to front end Of the bike leg With a helmet From from, from aero That's cold There's several there <laughs> Putting helmets on Back to front <laughs> But aero helmets Oh cold. you look like a tool <laughs> Patrick Walkington, uh, at an Ironman, sat in a chair in T2 with my head down, tying my laces. I looked up to see a naked man standing right in front of me, sticking plasters on his nipples. Haunted me ever since. I just think standing there with a naked man in front of you when you lift your head's enough, but then adding the uh, the stickers onto his nipples. Good old Wes Thompson's got to enjoy the levels of spectator intoxication and increases during an Ironman run. I'll never forget that hot girl in a skin-tight morph suit in Port Macquarie a few years back. The good old grinder said, last day of Epic Camp France in 2016, at our triathlon finale at Lake Montreal, which is uh, in Morzine, Zania, uh, Zania Morrison has, the fo- has some photo evidence. So I'll just explain that there was a bit of nudity involved, uh, an athlete Regular contributor to the show, just uh, dis- disrobed himself coming out of the swim and did a full change. Oh wow! And uh, there were some females present. Oh, and I think he were, they, were th- they happy with what they saw? I, no, I think <laughs> I'm pretty sure he bent over as well. Oh, you don't bend over. Mm. Oh, <laughs> the ultimate insult. Uh, Ian Shanks got during the city, Sydney City to surf. I was passed by someone in a gorilla suit while staggering up Heartbreak Hill. Need to say it was my last ever event. Carl uh, McClammon, I entered an Olympic triathlon in New South Wales, uh, in South Wales three years ago. While we were there waiting to start in our wetsuits, a couple of us realised a fellow competitor standing with his girlfriend and he had his wetsuit on back to front. We didn't tell him, uh, we did tell him, but he was embarrassed, especially as the missus was there too. I had a kid the other day at a uh, tri training and he just, he was wearing his tri suit for the first time. Yep. And he had it on backwards. And I kind of just had to go over and have a quiet word. Hey, you got it on backwards. Your pockets are on your belly there, buddy. Oh, that's a funny one. Um, good old Marcel Van Campen has got three flats. And then getting in the police car as I was last. And they wanted me off the course. Nice. <laughs> that's what you listen to. Yeah. Hayley Boyle, uh, this is the last one I'll do. As a junior triathlete, I was racing for second place to qualify for nationals. The third place getter was running me down in the last 1K. And I really had the urge to poo. 
bad. I made the decision I was going to hold on till the end. As I crossed the line a second, the commentator turned to come and interview me and congratulate me on second place. The issue with this, I'd found myself the closest tree in the recovery area, not so private, ripped my tri-suit down, uh, painted the poor tree with that poo I mentioned <laughs> above. My friends to this day still fall over laughing as they tell the story and look, the look on the commentator's face was priceless. Last one, Anthony Stevens, five simple words, accidentally pooed in my wetsuit and then James Thompson's put my name underneath it because I, <laughs> I, I know that feeling, Anthony. And my problem was I put in a wetsuit when I wasn't in the water. Yeah, yeah. and it wasn't even a race. <laughs> it wasn't even a race. <laughs> wasn't that important. Uh, John, you? Uh, yeah, I've... I've Kind of, I don't know if it represents my character, but laughing at other people's misfortune is generally the funniest things for me. <laughs> uh, so there's been several instances of crapping, yeah. and and I know we had the incident in Rote, which I mentioned a couple of times, but the one that sticks out to me, and this isn't triathlon related, there was once a picture that was going around, it was a marathon runner, oh, yeah. he was running in shorts, and, it and was you everywhere. could see the poo all down yeah. his legs and stuff. I was like, oh, that's just that's gross. But you do it, if you're winning... Yeah, you do it, don't you? Oh God, yeah. yeah you probably, especially well, would you nowadays? Because nowadays you become an internet meme. Mm. You know, like nowadays, if you if you're doing winning bloody Christchurch marathon, yeah. and you you shit yourself, and it's obvious we're going to see the whole world sees it the next day. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not worth winning. If, if it was an Iron Man, I'd pull over into some toilets and just tied myself up a bit. But, but if like you're a, winning, let's say you're winning and you've got, yeah. you haven't got somebody behind you, yeah. if Jan Fredin has running me yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. You oh, shit yourself both ways. Be, be, you get a bit delusional on the run, so you probably would just crack on with it. And yeah. um, the other ones I had was um, seeing sprint finishes when athletes are just cruising into the finish and then someone comes oh, up behind them cold. and just gasses them. Yep. That and also uh, when athletes are just cruising along and they can just open up the sprint. And then the finish line, they're just cruising along, and then boom, they just sprint. I was like, "What are you doing?" And so I laugh, I laugh with them, I suppose as well. What do you mean? They're just cruising. And they're they're just cruising, go. and then all of a sudden they see the finish line, and they've got like go from say running a five minute k to running like a three minute thirty. And like, well, where was that energy for oh, the rest of the okay. race? And then the uh, the two other ones that I had was when I've organised races and uh, we get a bit of surf, especially around at our Sea to Sky race, is when you see athletes coming out and uh, they <laughs> think they're out of the water, and they just get <laughs> smashed by a wave. I find that pretty entertaining <laughs> uh, and then the final one I have is bike mounts when they go wrong um, so we had one the fillinator uh, and this was caught on camera it was uh, out of my pack and save race and he did a flying mount and to his credit he landed it pretty well Ooh. but because we had it on camera and there's a few people around everybody just goes oh because I think he probably landed on the privates a bit uh, and I was then, there and I actually missed the bike oh yeah so I, I jumped yeah <laughs> I was going <laughs> it was towards the right of me yeah that wasn't pretty and the final one I had which is probably the best I've seen is when Peter Reid tried to mount his bike and challenged Rote and I tried to find the footage uh, and he, he, no exaggeration he probably had four attempts maybe even five attempts at getting on his bike and he, it was like Bevan said he just missed every time and he was he probably went on to win the race or podium he was at his prime yeah. and he just missed and then he jumped back on and missed again he couldn't sort of get over the bottles and it was hilarious Okay, John, let's do a sponsor. Extreme endurance. Bubba and John, let's talk about Fuel 5. So, Fuel 5 is your quick and sustained energy for all long workouts. I've got a proprietary carbohydrate... 
carbohydrate blend with organic sweet potato. It's designed with four types of replenishing carbohydrate to improve your overall performance, energy levels and recovery. So it's got five forms of fuel, four carbohydrate fuel sources plus lactate. It's got organic sweet potato. Uh, it gives you a nice carbohydrate blend to help stabilize blood sugar and it's got a whole bunch of electrolytes and vitamins in there as well. So it's clean, light and uh a clean light flavor that extends your training also it's good that we've discussed this last week it's got the informed choice tick uh, and informed sport so you can take it and know you're not going to be getting busted for taking anything illegal and I mentioned this product before the cool thing I like about it is that flavor is not so sweet and it is just just keeps you a lot more stable so if you're looking over the winter time if you're in the northern hemisphere or uh, if you're in the summer build then just looking to maybe try a few different nutrition items Give it a crack. It's uh, slightly different to your standard sports drink. Check it out, xendurance.com. Have you used it much? I have in training. I like it, and I use it a lot in in France on our camp over there. Yeah. So uh, it was Why really do you good. like it? Oh, it's just that flavor is not so sugary, and so you don't kind of get sick of it yeah. uh, quite as quickly. It can be the problem, especially when you're doing big training. Yeah. When you're doing so, big blocks. Uh, so it worked really well in France because, you know, on – when you're doing those big camps, nutrition becomes a real challenge, you know, on a day-to-day basis. As, as you probably get into the back third, it's not quite so bad. Your body's kind of adapted and you don't seem to need quite so much. But in those first few days, you, when your body's sort of rebelling against the, the crazy vo- volume you're doing, you know, you're trying to take in a, a really good amount whilst not upsetting your stomach. So flavor's really important. Mm, yeah, good times. Okay, John, let's do the Pro of the Week. Now, Pro of the Week is Dennis Chivot. Uh, so that's how you'd say the English version, but he's a Frenchie, so you'd say Denny Chevrolet. Chevrolet. Um, and the two pros, I've got a male and a female pro this week, because, uh, and they're both racing Ironman Australia, and uh, they're just two names that I didn't know heaps about. Denny Chevrolet, see his name coming up quite a bit. And what I will say about a lot of these pros of the weeks that I randomly choose, that are often athletes, Denny's won Ironman uh, Western Australia, but typically he's going to be one of those sort of, you know, maybe three through ten athletes yep. rather than necessarily winning um, significant other races, they often have their websites really nicely up to date, unlike the top pros who are usually really crap. Yeah, but I, John, I'll say I know you said, it, you said it before, they're all on Insta and all that sort of stuff, but some of us dinosaurs still like websites. Yeah. So, and the cool thing... Hey, I've got a flip. I've, I've did my website recently. There you go. How's your website going? Needs to spruce up. <laughs> Needs to spruce up. Uh, what I like about Denny's website on his page, page one, he's, it is a good website. It's he's got his Ironman record of seven fifty one. His best bike time is four seventeen. His best time for fifteen hundred meter swim is seventeen fourteen, uh, seventeen sixteen. Best time in an Ironman marathon two forty four. And then uh, he's got five victories in Ironman branded races. He's won Bustleton, Dublin seventy point three. He loves going down to Australia, Marunda, uh, Ballarat, and then Cascay uh, and. 2017 uh, so he's a bit of a regular down in Australia and he went Ironman Florida he got fourth uh, recently and yeah just one of those consistent performers the other thing I was going to say about Denny is he's got uh, an engineering degree uh, and he he came to the triathlon pretty late. He was 23. He used to swim as he was a kid, and then he kind of made that transition across. Didn't start doing tries until he was 23, and had some pretty instant success. But finished off his degree first, and then uh, been cranking it ever since. Who's, yeah, okay. Well, that's a good question, isn't it? Who's the greatest? You know, late blue. Now, 23 is not that late, but you know, like 
Ju- late bloomer, successful career. Well, Chrissy Wellington's the obvious. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, of obvious one there. Because she was like that, wasn't she? She wasn't an athlete. No, not at all. You know, boom, first race, win, won everything since. Yeah, and never got never got beaten. Did she at a nine distance? Not a nine distance. No, pretty sure she didn't. Seventy point three, she did. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, there you go, Denny Chevron. And then you've got someone from the second place getter from was it Cozumel this weekend? No, no, she's she's racing in oh in Australia, Australia this that's weekend. Australia. Oh, that's right. Uh, Let's see if I can get this right. Angeniska Jerks from Poland. So she's kind of the opposite to Denny Chevro, who was a bit of a late bloomer. She raced, started racing in 2006. Uh, she spent a long time on the ITU circuit. She got 25th at the 2012 Games and 22nd at the 2016 Games. Uh, she was the only Poland Polish representa- representative at uh, 2016. Uh, and then since then, she sort of just decided she's... Looked like on her website she was tossing up between going to Tokyo or not, so I'm not sure if she's going to make that or not. But she's also tried her hand at long distance racing and successfully. So she's only done one iron distance race. So that's why she's ranked above Teresa Adam, who's been very successful the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. um, because she's only done one iron distance race and she did Challenge Rote this year. She got fourth place, 8.48.49 on debut. I wonder, Torsten, if you're listening, I wonder if what's the fastest female debut Ironman time is. Yeah. That would have to be right up there. Yeah. Eight forty-eight on debut is now she has she on debut, but she's been doing triathlon for for thirteen years, so she's got a lot of you know uh, mileage in the tank. But still, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So she's done. Uh, wrote she's got a very impressive record since she sort of transitioned across to seventy point three. So she did her first one by the look of it in twenty seventeen, uh, and then in twenty eighteen she won Taiwan uh, a race uh, Linshu in China. She won uh, the same race again this year in China. So absolutely smoking it. Um, as, as far as an ITU athlete, she was sort of a you know. Top half of the field athlete, not necessarily a winner. She won plenty of um, ETU races and non sort of world championship series races. So good, good solid athlete. Eleven wins, nineteen podiums from eighty-two starts on uh, ITU races. So yeah, look out for her this weekend. Yeah, she, yeah, it's interesting. To watch what happens. So uh, Agnieszka Jerks from Poland and Denny Chevro from France, both racing Ironman Western Australia this weekend, and then. Uh, Agneska's goal, she's put on her website now, is to finish uh, the Ironman World Championships in Kona and be the first professional to start and finish the race. So well, no female pros have ever raced. Well, maybe not finished. Because the fact she pre- put start and finish makes me think that some maybe... I'm pretty sure none have, none have started well, Why would you put that line? Did you, maybe, I, maybe I put words in her mouth. Oh, maybe The yeah. first Polish female professional and fight for the title as well. Cross the finish line of the Ironman World Championship. Okay, maybe. Um, good luck. Yes. Good luck. Okay, John, let's do it. Three, two, one, Bivens. You know, do you need some music for your section? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Bivens. Bivens Corner. It's Naughty Corner. Okay, guys. So, uh, John sent me a text yesterday. He said he's busy. He said, can you put something together for a section? And I wasn't busy. I was prioritizing in other areas. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't busy. Um, and it got me thinking. And so, 
uh, where do I start with this? So one thing that I feel is really important in all relationships is this kind of idea of communication. And communication is something that most people are pretty terrible at. And particularly when we look at relationships. And when we think about the demands on a relationship in an Ironman world for an Ironman triathlete, it, it can be, a, like our sport can be a problem for relationships. Oh, you can be a dick. You can be a dick. Mm. <laughs> but even just our sport in general can be mm. a, a problem because A, very time hungry sport. Mm-hmm. So if you're working full time and you're training for an Ironman, you're either getting up stupid o'clock in the morning, or you're, you're training at lunchtime, or you're doing you're weekends. You're losing one day to your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this time hungry factor that comes with it. B, when you are around the family, you tend to be pretty tired. Mm-hmm. So there's that lack of energy that comes with it. And C, it's almost that kind of pressure you feel you have to keep to do your training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's that kind of thing around communication. Now, one thing John always will talk about as a coach is you need to plan family time in and mm-hmm. you need to plan, you know, where you're, you're giving your, putting yourself second on the list and stuff like that. But to me, one of the things we also need to work on is communication. And I'll talk a little bit about communication in general. And then I, I was working with one of my clients recently and we had a conversation which was really helped them in their relationship. And so I thought it's a good one to think about with I'm triathlete. So what is good communication? Well, good, good, good communication is ultimately I understand you. You know, when you think about communication, and it's really interesting when you learn about communication because when you what we often do in communication is we try to guide people towards our understanding. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking to somebody, let's say John tells me about something that he's doing in his life. If I'm not listening that well, he'll try guide me towards his understanding. And really good communication is showing good understanding. So when we think about good communication, and here's a good little trick. Next time you're talking to somebody and they're trying to talk something to you, just literally tell them back to you what they told you. So like John might say, um, tell me about your race on the weekend. Tell Uh, me me what was the thing you had to focus on in your race. uh, Athlete safety and just making sure everything was running on time. Okay, so when you turn up, you just think about, well, are these guys safe and is it really organised? That's right, Bevan. Yeah. What's the name of that technique? I, I, I was, uh, it's just reflective listening. But, yeah, but, there's a special name for it. But, what, see, what, what, but now John knows what I'm doing there in that situation. But what, what a good listener will do is they show that they understand back. So we, you know, normally what would happen in that conversation, if I hadn't said, John, tell me what you're doing and he knew what I was doing, he would have said yes and he probably would have continued on. And he may have even gone into more detail about that. Now, as the listener, what I've done in that situation is I've shown him that I understand what it's like to be in that situation. And it's a really important communication skill. And it's really important for relationships because in a lot of relationships, if you've ever heard, have you, John, have you ever heard the whole, you don't understand me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a really good example of not very good communication because what a lot of men will do in this situation, let's say Belinda comes home, she said, I've had a really stressful day at work. Yeah. Men will problem solve. Mm-hmm. So you'll say, oh, here's what you need to do. Mm. But you haven't done that step of communication, so you haven't shown very good understanding. So now the basic level of communication I did there with John was just literally reflect back to him what, what, what he told me. But if you want to go to that next level of understanding, you actually kind of think, what's it like to be that person in that situation? So let's go back to John's one there. John was, he wanted good safety and it, for it to be organised. So I could have said, oh, so when you turned up, you really made sure you get made sure all the time mats are in place on time. Mm-hmm. Because I'm really thinking about what's it like to be John in that situation. I'm not just saying the thing back to him. So it's when John's telling me his thing, I'm actually reflecting, I'm actually thinking, what's it like to be John in this situation? Or I could have said, oh, so when you turn it up, it could have been a little bit stressful because, you know, you wanted to make sure everything was organised. Mm. Now, was that what it like when you turn up? It was, but yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And so, so I'm just, I'm really just kind of going, what's it like to be John? So I'm showing a higher level of understanding. I'm not just saying the thing back to him. Mm-hmm. So when we think about that, what that does is that builds trust in the relationship. Because what that does is that means John thinks Bevan knows what it's like to be me. So then it allows him to be more open to me. So that's when you do that stuff well, you lose that hole, you just don't understand me. Because mm-hmm. if Belinda's had a stressful day and you reflect really well back to her and show her you understand what it's like to be like, she then can open up to a deeper level and she feels she's got an ally on her side, not someone who doesn't understand. Because why would you listen to somebody if they don't understand you? Exactly. You know, like if you're in a relationship and you're trying to look for support and the person's just telling you the solutions, why would you listen to them if they don't understand you? Mm. So that's kind of the first thing you want to be thinking about is the point of communication is understanding. And it's a really important thing in relationships because bad communication ultimately leads to a sense of betrayal. And betrayal meaning you will not be there when I need you. Good communication leads to a sense of trust, which means you will be there when I need you. So that's the first thing to think about. The second thing to think about is what I call a needs-based conversation. So a lot of times in life, we have situations where we don't think our needs are being met. And it's a really big thing for people in relationships with kids. Mm-hmm. Because nowadays what we see in life is that we have two working parents, mm-hmm. um, young kids. It's a pretty fun on life. Mm-hmm. And we can often get the situation where both people in the relationship think the other person doesn't understand what they're giving. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you're working 40 hours, you come home, you still got to look after the kids and, you know, bang, bang, bang. So you, you're, you're working your ass off, you're tired. Then the other partners looking after the kids all day at work. And so when you're at work and, you mm-hmm. know, whatever the situation is, you come home, they think you don't understand what it's like to be in my situation. So we have this disconnect in the relationship because... Both people think you don't understand my needs Mm -hmm. and that can create a lot of problems in relationships because ultimately you're working against each other in these situations. Now when we think about the Ironman triathlete, this can be a real problem because we have a need of I need to get my training in, Mm -hmm. you know, especially if it's, you know, like for John when he's just going his everyday training, you you could be a bit more lenient. But when you're training for Kona, Mm. the idea of missing one session a week it comes with stress, doesn't it? Mm. You know. So when we think about that, often we get stressed because we don't think our partner understands our needs. Mm. So they don't, we don't, we don't, we think that they don't understand how important it is for me to get their hour running. Now, on the flip side of that, you're probably neglecting the thing that they need in the same situation. So they, you know, when you're thinking I've got to get this hour run, they think you don't understand. I need more support around the house right now. Mm-hmm. And so when John talks about as a as a athlete, one of the most important things you need to do is to plan your life well. Well, to me, that's the first layer of a good relationship in, in triathlon is that you both need to have an understanding of a timetabling of life. But to me, the next level we need to add on top of that is this concept of understanding each other's needs. So I do a bit of kind of life coaching stuff or kind of one-on-one mentoring. What I, I kind of hate life coaching, but I kind of do it. Um, and I had a client who had a situation where they just felt their partner didn't understand their needs. Now, it wasn't necessarily in the triathlon world, but we kind of came up with a process. So it was literally that they were doing something and they felt their partner just didn't get their needs in the situation. Mm-hmm. And their partner and them had slightly different personality types. Mm-hmm. And then their partner probably felt the same way as well. And so we kind of worked on this idea of how can we get to a place where both of you can work better as a team in these situations. And so we kind of came up with a five-step process. So first of all, 
what you want to do is, let's say you're going to go to John's plan of planning your week with your partner. So you might sit down and you actually plan your week. You might have your weekly meeting, like I have, um, with your Bevan, partner. present. Yep. How about you, <laughs> Joe, present as well. So, and what you're doing is you're just looking at your triathlon week and you're kind of sitting down and you're saying, okay, when do you need me around? When can I fit my sessions in and so on? So it's a really good point to start with. But then the next point to say would be, what are your needs at a different time throughout the week? Mm-hmm. So instead of just saying, you know, can you be home for the kids then? I need you to make sure when the, when when you're home with the kids that they're set up for bed. I need my need is to be able to come home when you had the kids and to feel that I don't have to do anything once I come home. Mm-hmm. So that gives me an understanding of the other person's needs. You could say, I need okay. So if you can do that, the thing I need is once I get up, I just want to be able to focus on getting ready for training. So I need that 15 minutes where I can just have my self time do my good training, and once I get home, I need 10 minutes by myself just to kind of reset. So that's my needs in this situation. So what you do is you both sit down. You don't just look at the timetable. You also look at the different needs at the different times in that situation. When you're having that conversation, it's it's kind of going back to what I first thought, was talking about, is let's say it's Joe and I, and I'm the triathlete. My need is to get my session done in 15 minutes for and 15 mm-hmm. after. And let's say we had kids, which we don't, but I have a kid, but not with Joe. Um, and her need is for when she come home, I, I need to be able to look after kids and let her have a time, but also for her to come home and not be stressed once she come home because I haven't looked after the kids that well. Mm-hmm. When the person, when you're talking about your need, the other person's job is to do that understanding thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you're in this situation, when Joe's telling me her needs, it's not problem solving. It's to think, what does Joe really trying to communicate to me here? So the listener's job is to understand the other person's needs and to know which lens they need to see the situation through. Um, so, I, okay, my, my, I'm trying. To, what Joe's trying to get me to understand is that when she comes home from her time, she needs to feel stress-free. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, once I understand what her needs are, I then do that communication thing. So then I communicate that back to her. So what you're telling me here, babe, is that you need me to make sure that when you get home, you feel stress-free. Okay. Bang, you get the yes. So then once both both person, both people have expressed their needs in this situation, you create a plan where you work together to make sure the needs are met. So you might say, okay, so what, what are the things I need to do to make sure the kids are on top of so when you come home? So it might be, okay, you need to pay, if lunch is done for tomorrow, you need to make sure they're ready for bed, um, and so on and so on. Um, now, ideally, what you want to do in a situation is you want to problem solve your own side so I want to problem solve how I look after Joe's needs and she just supports me with it and she wants to problem solve how she looks after my needs then from there when you're in the situation you are focused on fulfilling the other person's needs so mm-hmm. when when Joe when I come in from my ride and Joe's gone away now I'm looking after the kids I'm really focusing on how to look after Joe's needs and then that helps her when she comes home you know bang bang then the fifth point is once you've had the conversation um, you look for where you can praise each other and look for where you can improve moving forward. So after the fact, do that reflective thing of, okay, what do we do well this time? And Joe could say, look, actually I came home and it was really nice because I could just unwind. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that you do this, this and that. And the improvement thing is the person, like Joe's not allowed to tell me how to improve. I have to reflect on how I can improve. So Joe can't come home and say, oh, and here's what you need to do better next time. <laughs> You know, what you can do is you go, Joe can say, here's why I really appreciated what you did. 
do you think there's anything you can improve on? And I can go, yeah, you know what? I definitely, I still was, Could you have know, scrubbed that surface a little bit more. Yeah, it could be that. Or, yeah. you know, Joe could have said, you know what? I, I need to get up a little bit earlier because I did notice the kids were kind of annoying you a little bit when you're mm. getting ready. And so you can see that, so the five steps are, the conversation starts with what are your needs in this situation? The listener's, number two is the listener's job to understand and then communicate back that person's needs. Then number three is to work out a plan how you'll work on each other's needs. Then when you're in this situation, you think about fulfilling the other person's needs. And then after the fact, the person who gives praise and then you reflect on how you can grow. And then the whole point of this is not that just we're planning our life together so we can make sure we fit everything in. It's that we also can fulfill each other's needs in a way that brings us closer in a relationship. Because to me, we don't want this sport to damage relationships. Mm -hmm. And these types of skills are skills that actually make us feel more supported, make us feel more actually trained better because we don't feel guilty about the thing we're not doing at home, makes us better athletes, but also makes us better in our life. Probably the last thing I'll say to this, as you can tell, this is a process that will take effort. Mm. You know, And a lot of times people will listen to something like this and go, that's a cool idea. But they don't do the work. Mm-hmm. And like my client who, I, you know, has been doing this work, they've had some really massive progress on this. And they've learned a lot about themselves and their relationships progress a lot because they've done the work. And so if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking, you know what, Bev, this is definitely something I need to work on. Don't make this the idea that, oh, yeah, cool. Like grab your partner, maybe re-listen to this and sit down and, and go through this process. And because I guarantee that if you do this well, you'll have a stronger relationship. And, you know, when we think in all areas of life, if we can have a healthy relationship in our life, it means we can perform better at things we want to perform at. And so to me, it's just a, it's, a, it's actually better for your Ironman career as well. You listened to my needs, Bevan, and you helped yeah. me out here. Yeah, I did. Appreciate it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did, because John said to me, basically, he sent me an email saying, not that I'm busy, but said, I'm, I can't really do the work that I normally do. Can you yeah. pull your finger? Because John does the, the show notes. Mm. And so I was like, okay, well, he needs me to step up here. And, and so that's why I did this here. Um, and with these people that you've worked with when you've done this, do you often find it's just like a weak template they'll come up with and then it's a case of repeating that or is this something they need to address on a weekly basis or monthly basis? I think I think ultimately you want to make it a habit. So mm. like with this, this client, I got some feedback from them this morning and they were saying that what they did is they've found it's made a shift but they haven't set it into this habit in place. Mm. So we've talked about making it like a lunchtime habit. Mm. Now it might be a weekly thing. I just think... To me in life, if you have tools that work, why aren't you using them? Mm. You know, and I guarantee that if, if like, because even me with Joe, now one thing I think about with Joe is I think what I heard, because Joe, Joe's different to me. Mm-hmm. Like, Joe's a lot more needs to be clean in the house. Mm-hmm. Joe, Joe needs to know the plan. You know, she really needs to know the plan. Like, even Christmas shopping, we're going Christmas shopping this week because it's Black Friday, so we're trying to get everything nice. done on a Tuesday. Joe needs the written list. Mm. I can just quite easily go to the mall and just walk around for a couple of hours and figure oh, it out. Joe and I are like peas in a pod. Yeah. Now, her needs in this situation, I'm thinking of her needs. So I'm going to think, okay, on Thursday, we'll sit down and write the list mm-hmm. because I'm thinking of her needs. You know, that I'm learning to think of that myself as well. And to me, it's just that if you learn that this is a tool that works and it makes your relationship better, you do have to put the effort in. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing about effort, I have a client who I work with and she... She's someone who's had some really big struggles, but also has made some really massive, like amazing progress. And one of the things that she's learned is that effort is her friend. Mm-hmm. Because she often thought that, you know, the tools that we implemented in her life, which really made good impact, it was always like, the phone's ringing. It is. The phone's ringing. She was rookie, like, rookie. Rookie error. She was like, it's, but it takes effort to do this. But the thing about that, I always had to remind her was, 
if she doesn't put the effort in, the other side of it sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you come home and your partner's on your case because you've been training all day and there's that mm. bad energy in the room, mm. you know, and there's a confrontation. That's a lot worse than a 10 minute conversation of doing this. Exactly. You know, so to me, it's that kind of effort is my friend. And if I put that effort in, there'll be a massive payoff for my relationship in my Ironman career. Effort is your friend. Well, it really is. Yeah. Like, to me, I'm just like, any area you do well, you have great tools. Mm. And if you can front foot your tools. So there you go. So that's Bevan's naughty corner. Event director's high five here. I'll go through this pretty quickly. Oh, we're going to do that now. I thought you were going to do your quick tips. Well, what, what do you prefer? My event director's high five? Well, I thought you wanted to pan tips. out. No, I'll do my event director's high five. Okay, random they're, they're tips will next week. Random okay. tips will happen One, two, three, four. High five. five. I said I was organizing a race uh, last weekend and just a few things that were coming to my mind thinking, not asking for sympathy, but asking for understanding whenever you go to a race because I'm, I'm more or less a one-man band, but I have lots of people helping on the day. Big time. But even when you go to Ironman-type races where you're going, oh, I've paid so much money for this, these are some of the challenges that they'll be going through as well. Um, number one, getting enough good volunteers. So it's Not just volunteers. Not just volunteers, but good volunteers because what – this does bug me a bit when you see uh, Iron Man and other organisations saying, we've donated this money to charity. It's like, well, you know, you haven't really. You've actually gone to that group and you've said, can you provide us with 100 people? Oh, to do help? they do that, do they? Oh, all organisations do. It's like, you haven't donated. In some cases they have, if it's like yeah. a hurricane fund or something. Yeah. But most cases, it's There's a payoff. You've, you've done that because... That's a bit poor form then, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, actually, I don't know that for a fact. That's an assumption, yeah. but I'm pretty positive it's right. Um, Look, I don't mind if you do... That's a, it's a win-win. I totally get it. Yeah. If, if you want to go to the local but, boys club and they help out at the race, it's a total win-win. But I don't think you can say we're doing this for charity. Yeah. Um, so I had a, the weekend, I had a group of uh, the Samoan Seventh-day Adventist Church. Okay. They came and helped out. And so that's great. And they're good marshals. They've got lots of energy, but they're not experienced in terms of mount, dismount, yep. um, turnarounds. Like that, that so you stuff. need certain people at certain spots. Yeah. So it's a real challenge for me, and I'm assuming this must be right, the same elsewhere, is getting enough good volunteers. Uh, and... I don't know if it's just a Christchurch thing or if it's a New Zealand thing, but having that culture of getting volunteers is not really very strong no. at the moment, and it's it's diminishing. I think it's a, I think it's a time poor thing. But that, but it may be different elsewhere in the world. I know other places getting volunteers is not a problem. Okay. Um, so I think part of it's a culture thing. So that's challenge. I have challenge number one, and I assume that's a challenge every race has. Number two. These are, some of these things are pretty simple, but they're a pain in the ass to, to try to organise getting enough prizes for prize giving. Everybody always wants these massive big prizes, yeah. and uh, when you haven't got many sponsors, it's a it's a nightmare. So how do you, do you just bring people and try to get shit? Um, well, I, I, the, what I've done more recently is try to go to medals and trophies, and especially trophies that get returned each year. So then you've got a bit oh, of history there. Nice. I kind of like, and like also that. it's a one-off investment. Yeah, um, and so then you, but it's purchasing, and then other times I'll be purchasing branded items and stuff like that. But it's um, yeah, it's usually money out of the race director's pocket because there is a bit of expectation for a lot of people to have all these amazing prizes. Yes, you get some sponsored, but a lot of races don't have big sponsors. Number three that people probably don't realise, but uh, just dealing with residents when you've got uh, courses. How, and is it hard for you? Uh, you just get phone calls from people that you, you empathise with them to a degree um, because you know they're not going to be really be able to get out of their house very easily yep. on race morning. Uh, and if it was an Ironman, difference. You know, when you're, yeah. got, you're stuck in there for the whole day, I get it. But for example, I had one person ring up you know, the day before the race. Oh, I see there's signs up for this race coming up tomorrow. Um, nobody's been in touch with me about that. And I'm like, well, 
we did do a, a, a flyer drop to everybody that's on the course. Oh, we don't have a letterbox. Um, okay. Um, we notified the school to tell everybody who's got um, children at the school to try to spread the word. Uh, kids go to school elsewhere. Um, we notified the residence group to try to tell everybody, oh, we're not part of the residence group. Um, there's an advert that goes in the newspaper as well um, to try and know, but we don't get the newspaper. And so just, you just, you get a yeah, whole we, bunch of phone calls like that. Do I have your phone number, mate? Yeah. You know, like, so I think what, they expect, What was I meant to do? They expected a personal door knock on every place but for, for big races massive massive problems you're dealing with a lot of residents angst um, another big challenge I have is finding venues and people go oh that place would be great but there's a lot of process yeah. to go through even with our runners like we we, we do our best to spread our, our Saturday runs around as much as we can around the city but you know we, we get up to 250 people to run you know like mm. you logistically what you're mm. thinking of someone will go oh it's got a great run well, it is great. It's great for you, but not for 250 people. So you got things I've got to think about is firstly clean water um, for swimming in. Um, secondly, if you've got a decent sized race, you've got to think about parking. If you're in a residential area, pretty challenging. Public loose, or you take port loose. Port loose, yeah. yeah. Um, you've got to have a decent enough area for transition, uh, and you've really got to be trying to limit the number of U-turns and right-hand turns. If you're in America, that would be left-hand turns. But tra- you've got to have all those traffic management considerations. So the ve- the top venue you think would be awesome for a race is quite a process to go through uh, and then number five that uh, this comes up at every race is trying to respect tail ender athletes that are, that are slower but also trying to stay on time and so I had an example at the weekend so we had a whole series of events we start off with sort of a classic try and then we have juniors racing try a try we have a kids race and then we have a draft legal and the, the target market for the draft legal was it's an age group race with some elites in it as well but it's more targeted for people that have got a reasonable amount of experience yep. so you know I'm predicting what time I'm going to have uh, the prize giving and there's somebody who's out there for over two hours for a um, um, sprint. Uh, a sprint distance triathlon it's oh god and I know I probably could have put cut off times in there and pro- possibly should have done yeah. um, but it's, it's a real challenge to stay on time so tail enders love them racing love people giving it a go but sometimes they don't necessarily enter the the, the event that's suitable for their uh, speed and, yeah, well I've done commentary at races where you you know you, you, you literally go oh you're going to cheer the guy coming in right now yeah. <laughs> as you're doing the prize giving you know like it's um, it is a tough one okay so that was my weekend it was uh Figuring out all those challenges on race day. It's all part of the problem solving, isn't it? Okay, let's do the winger of the week. And I'm going to say, how long is the short base? It's ballpark 40Ks. We kind of went across the top. So okay. about, about 40Ks. I'm going to say number 40 because Porno and I rode short base on uh, Saturday. Came out and helped you set up at the race. He did indeed. And then uh, we went for a bike ride in the afternoon. Yeah, no, it was good getting down on the bike. I haven't been down on the bike most in a long time. But anyway, number 40. Mark Styles, great name. Did thirteen hours and twenty-one minutes of training, three hours and seven minutes on the swim. Almost uh, swam as far as he biked. Uh, so three. That just changed. I went back one page and it changed. No, no, oh. last. No, I didn't. No, it's still there. Number forty. Oh, you went forty-two. Oh, no, that changed. That just changed within a couple of seconds. Because I've got running if, but oh well, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with Mark Styles. Thirteen hours and twenty-one minutes. He did three hours and seven minutes of running, four hours and seven and two minutes of biking, and six hours and eleven minutes of running. Thirteen hours twenty-one uh, uh, from fifteen training sessions. Uh, he is from Nuneaton in England. He's got a picture of his the newborn baby. It's his baby. And Strength through it with the new PT and it's his <laughs> young baby there. And he's got the baby uh, with the hands over some dumbbells. Started him young. 
<laughs> yeah. And then it looks like his partner is there cranking some iron as well. He's got a picture of a 30% grade somewhere in uh, the UK. And then he's got a picture of himself somewhere on the podium. Awesome. So he's got a picture. His, his main picture is obviously his partner and his child. And uh, nice work, Mark. I literally posted that picture Yesterday with his, or today, today. With, his, with his PT. Yeah. Uh, and in the last four weeks, he's averaged five, five rides a week, an average distance 153Ks, an average time per week on the bike of four hours, 33 minutes. Looks like he might be uh, cranking his running a bit more because he's been averaging six weeks a run for the last four weeks. Good work, Mark Styles. You are our winner of the week. week. Okay, questions and answers. Good old Ben Jones is sent through to Iron Talk. Hey, John, can you recommend a good website to start looking at low-carb, high-fat meals? I mean, some practical suggestions rather than scientific background. And I totally hear what you're saying there, um, Ben, because it's hard. often we have people on the show saying it's good, other people saying it's not so good, but it's actually, tell me what to do. Yeah. You just want to know what to do. Um, so one of the books that I used initially, not a website, what, what was uh, What the Fat, and they've got What the Fat uh, Sports Performance Book, and then for other stuff, so then I just did random uh, searching just to find different recipes. But uh, I mentioned the study that I did a few weeks ago. I don't think I did a great job uh, explaining that when, uh, when all was said and done but anyway in terms of what I did and what a lot of people sort of the routine they tend to follow is relatively simple and and the first point sort of is not just for people that are going low carb high fat it's just for everybody try to keep your vegetable intake really really high and so when you're planning your your week going maximize vegetable intake Um, and if you're going low carb then you've got to kind of just exclude a few vegetables in there, but not too many, unless you're trying to go keto. Uh, so for breakfast, what most people I found did, and what I did as well, uh, is either go for eggs, some sort of nut, nutty sort of seedy mix or chia mix, um, or a smoothie without um, fruit. Uh, and those were sort of the three options. And when I also did a, a study recently as well, or a survey, I found that most, I think it was 80% of people wanted to pretty much have the same breakfast every day. Do you, you more or less have the same yeah, thing every, every day. day. So oh, no, Friday? Have a treat day. Treat day. Well, there you muff, go. Muffin splits with butter. There you go. So I think most people just want, you know, maybe a couple of things they can keep repeating. So you kind of got to find what works for you. Um, in terms of lunches, what most people t- tend to have is uh, a salad with protein, um, with some, some sort of protein, whether that's, you know, normally that's meat based. Um, try to layer in the fat there in terms of your olive oils, your nuts, and your seeds, or they go for some sort of egg solution as well. Uh, and then dinner, again, veggie based um, with proteins, so much the same as lunch. So often sort of stir fry sort of stuff with some, with some meat. And then if you're going to go down the salad path, again, trying to look for your fat source to make sure that you are getting full enough. So adding in plenty of oil. Adding in nuts, seeds, um, some dairy, etc., and that's kind of the, the general layout. So breakfast, eggs, nuts, or smoothies. Lunch generally uh, sort of salad-based um, or leftovers from the previous day, and then add in your protein, whether it be meat or eggs, and with plenty of oils, nuts, seeds, and then similar sort of thing for for dinner. Very much veg-based with adding your protein and then your fat. And then in terms of snacking, um, what a lot of people do is um, peanut butter is great. It gets you nice and full. You don't have to have too much dairy sort of snacks or veggies veggies snacks like um carrot sticks with maybe hummus on it or peanut butter or something like that uh and then just try to but what i suggest is just have a routine that you know you pretty much follow most days or maybe have two or three days and you just kind of keep repeating you, it i think my diet i not i don't do this but as in the, the like low carb high fat 
kind of thing. But my breakfast is pretty much the same every day. Mm-hmm. My lunch is pretty much the same every day. Mm. My snacks are pretty much the same. It's just my dinner that changes. And yeah. even then, it's a bit of variety, but it's kind of, there's probably 10 meals we have. Yeah. And I think when I was saying before, I wasn't you know, stoked with the way that I presented what we did the other day. I think often Bevan and I harp on, you know, we're fairly lean. I mean, I, I eat too much. It's generally my problem. And I think sometimes we, we don't empathize enough with the people that struggle with their weight and it's not nutrition based, yeah. it's, whether it be hormonal based. Yeah. And, you know, two people can eat the exact same thing and one can end up skinny and yeah. the other one can end up uh, overweight. And so I think often we just need to empathize with them a bit more. And it's not as simple as uh, some people might think. Yeah, it's, it's a hard, nutrition's a tough one, team. Mm. It's a tough one. Okay, John, let's do some patrons. We've got one patron. We have uh, yeah, one new patron this week, Larry Brichetto. What a great name, first of all. Yeah. Brichetto. Oh. So what, what first came to mind for me, happy for you to veto this, but when I said Brichetto, I just thought Lego bricks. Nice. I'll and go so with that. I'll go with that. And so then I thought the Lego movie, and so we're either going Lord Business... Did you ever watch the Lego movie? Yeah, oh, it's a great film. Great. Everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Uh, or Master Builder. Everything is cool if you want to be. Something like that. Eh? Yeah. Um, I, I quite like Lord Business. Yeah, I think Lord Business is, uh, yeah, because that could be taken many ways. Yes. Yeah, Lord so Business. That's a Larry, great. Lord Business, Brickett. And the double L. Yeah. Larry, the Lord Business. Yeah. Oh. It might go down as one of the better ones of all time. It is, it is an improvement. Some of our ones, uh, the start of today's show, were a little bit on the weak side. Oh. Larry. If you're called... The torpedo, torpedo, torpedo the hustler. Good. Yeah, true. You know, I don't know where we came from the theropod from. We obviously thought dinosaur somewhere. That's true. I yeah. remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yep, we must have. Yep. Um, if you want to become a patron of the show, like Larry, the Lord of Business, uh, you can go to www.iontalk.me and you can become a patron just by clicking on the main page. You'll see where you, how you go through the process. You go on the draw to come to Kona with the boys next year. You also get to get a gift. And support the show. And that's the most important thing because your support really means a lot. And for those who are patri- patrons, give yourself a pat on the back right now. Pat, Say, pat, pat. I'm a legend because you support the show. Uh, if you want to show email to you, down the bottom of the main page, just put your information in. Coach John Yusum for some coaching. Mm-hmm. He needs to update. Just check out his website. Give him some reviews on his website. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm doing a new website for a running business. It's a yeah. pretty full-on website, but it's a lot of work. Yeah, It's not just a one-pager, you know, like it's... Yeah. And I've probably spent three months now really I've only probably spent five six hours a week on it but yeah but I'm pretty happy with it but it takes a lot of work uh Bevan James Owls I've got the interview coming up next week with the director of I Am Maris Maris it's a documentary on Netflix and mm-hmm. it's about a girl who had anorexia mm-hmm. and uh eating disorders and how she used movement to get herself out of it really good documentary and let's be honest I imagine eating disorders is something our sport has an mm-hmm. issue with so Big you may time. want to check that out and I'll have an interview with the director of that next week on my podcast also if you want to email us some content like age group of the weeks cool websites and other feedback go to I am talkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? Uh, so we had the Pack and Save Triathlon Festival Saturday. and then Actually, I was talking to Johnny Lindham. Yeah, yeah, he had a sprint finish, I think. I saw yeah, well, he said, he said it was a bit funny because the kids he was racing against looked very young. Yeah. And he said, and luckily the guy who was third maybe wasn't third, they had never let to do or something. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he said it could have looked like basically he'd won a kids race in the photo, <laughs> or he got second, I think, didn't he? And, yeah. Uh, so he said he said the photo could look really terrible because he's quite a tall, you know, yeah. he's, little, he's not older, but he's you know he's probably late thirties or in his thirties. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was saying the the kid who won it and the kid who thought was third but actually had another lap to go, they looked like they were bloody getting their pubes. The, the kid who won it is, is quite talented. Uh, he was He's part of our junior program. So he did the duathlon option. Yep. And then the kid who I think he's talking about, 
did a bonus lap on the run. <laughs> oh, really? So stuff's up. Yeah. It's supposed to be one lap by one lap run, three laps on the bike, one lap run. He chose to do two laps on the second oh, run. Oh, that's gold. And we didn't have a timing mat oh, to get lap times. So we had yeah, you got various different splits. It was one on the bike, but you didn't get your lap times for the run. So Well he was, I think Johnny was happy. Because otherwise he would have been a photo. You, photo you can't put up, can you? No. You can't put a photo of you on the podium of two five-year-olds sitting next yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it was gold. So who won the big race? Uh, same fella from last year, Leo Stauffenberg from Wanaka. Uh, nice. Took it out on the run. So two fellas cleared out on the bike and just laid their hammer down. Uh, Saxon Morgan from Christchurch. Nice. The cool thing what I did this year, we had the, the, the draft race, we had males and females starting together. Nice. So it was good for the, the females. They got to actually have some packs as well. Um, but yeah, it, well, it was a drafting race, but it, and it was probably, what, 60-odd in the starting there was like two packs that was about it really <laughs> and the rest everybody was just by themselves oh yeah. wow was, uh, there was maybe ones Why? and twos just gets spread out real quick and the good swimmers are, uh, there's, there's big differences in ability yeah. um, so you might be a good swimmer and you come out with somebody but they're way better biker yeah. uh, so big spreads across what, what the three the distances? distances it was sprint so 750, 20 and 5 you don't do the double lapper anymore I don't no why not um, just the quality of the water oh okay it's a bit fair yeah. enough yep. Yep. And it's going to be ch- we're going to find a new venue for next year because again, this is a problem worldwide. You know this this venue is amazing. Uh, it is being built up with more and more houses, so it's getting a little bit harder on the bike. But the water's just turned to crap, and it's still safe enough to swim in. Like it passes a test, yep. but it's pretty gross. So I need to find safe a new enough, venue. But do you want to do it, kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I always yeah. put the situation, and I said this at the at the prize giving was, uh, and, and I say to athletes I coach I won't ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself yeah. and the same with races I wouldn't go swimming in there uh, no if there's something I wouldn't do then I'm not going to ask other yeah. people to do it and it's at that stage where I'd probably still swim in it for race but wouldn't feel stoked about it yep. so I need to find somewhere else which is not easy no. um, other than that Bevan uh, got a kids race tomorrow 700 kids yahooing around the course at the same venue and oh yeah, Mia, Mia, I know he's doing primary it. schools try. Yep. Your mate Kate will be out there with yep. the St Andrews crew. Yep. And then I've got uh, Phil and Ada's wife's fortieth this weekend. Back it up, Jen's turning forty. Bring that up when she comes. She wasn't at class this morning. No, they're in Australia, so bring that up this week in oh, class. I'm sure, she'll love hearing that. Yeah, oh, in class, you think I should do it? Absolutely, absolutely. You say it's what's today? Tuesday. It's Thursday. The Geninator. Well, what's is it just party at the house or is there a No, it's like a bloody eight course degustation or something like that. Oh nice. Where? Does it, how many steps is it? Is it twenty one steps? Oh, this yeah. cafe. Uh not cafe, restaurant, so that's gonna be all good. Yeah. And then I've got to go to a funeral this afternoon, unfortunately. Um, a local guy um, that a lot of people might know, even New Zealand listeners, Ross Allen. He was a he's been in the New Zealand rep age group rep for for God knows how long. He he was a veteran racing when I started triathlon in 1991. So he's been on the scene for a long time. And he was just one of those great guys who um, always, ra- no, not always racing, but racing. But whenever he wasn't racing, he was volunteering. And he'd always dra- bring his wife along. And she was volunteering as well. Uh, and yeah, he was 72. And he went away last year. He's just going on a cruise somewhere. And they said he just didn't feel great went to the doctor and they said you need to go home straight away uh, and gave him a couple of months to live and he lasted a bit longer than that but it was all pretty sudden oh, so it was a shame so I'm going to that this afternoon oh that's really sad hmm what's well, happening it sounds like someone who lived life oh yeah and and you know you can go shit he made a real contribution yeah. you know as an athlete he was constantly making New Zealand teams but then 
gave back a lot as well in terms of always volunteering and uh, getting others involved. Yeah, good stuff. Hmm. What's happening for you, Bevan? Jombo, what's happening in my life? Any gambling this week? No, I'm. Oh, we've got a. Br- we haven't brought up that email. Oh, from well, you, you, um, you, you Joe, tell- Joe, wasn't it? Yep, I'm, I'm rebutting some of that. Oh, okay, wait a second. Okay, so gam- <laughs> gam- I'm losing interest in gambling <laughs> because I'm not that good at it, John. Yeah. And I'm not, I, don't, I haven't lost money yet, yeah. but I don't want to lose money. You got, okay. you got, you got to take a risk. Yeah. So no no gambling, John. I haven't gambled. But I'll, 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 I'll you know, occasionally I will. Mm-hmm. But my horse betting strategy, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure. John, what's the, what's the, it was Joe Spriggins, wasn't it? It was. I'm just trying to find. I know the two things that he brought up. First, it was the pocket square that we couldn't remember last week, which is kind of pretty obvious, and I do do know that. And Murray sent me through photos of all of his pockets. Pocket squares. He didn't so, have many, actually, Murray. So we couldn't remember last week because Bevan and I wear a suit. So today's the one day where I'm going to be wearing a suit for the year. It will be the only day today that I What's wear today? a suit. Oh, funeral. Funeral, of course. So pocket square uh, was the little piece of cloth that goes in there. And then the second point that Joe had, and okay, I haven't got, I've got it. I've got it here. I wanted to comment on a couple of points. Firstly, you mentioned Ruth. Uh, oh, no, he's talking about, okay. Uh, secondly, you are being complete betting novice. Oh, about that. We carry on. If the price is less than a dollar, you don't lose money. That was John. This is, you're the fool here, not me. No, I'm not. You always get your stake back on the top of the winnings. This may be different to the UK, but it's not the same over here. If it says up on the board a dollar thirteen, you put a dollar down, you get a dollar thirteen back. Yeah, you don't get your dollar plus a dollar thirteen. And this only happens in New Zealand when it's a raging hot favourite to get a place because you have your money no. for the win and money for the place. If it's paying like ninety five cents, no, but I think I think what he's saying here because he got so say you bet a dollar and you win ninety five cents from it, you still get your dollar back. No, you don't. You get ninety five cents back. So oh, do you? Yeah. But it only happens on a place getter. So say it's a raging hot favourite. It's going to absolutely, yeah. you wouldn't bet on it. You, if you bet on the place, you're, you're, you're a fool. Because it may be different in the UK. You may get your dollar back plus that winning. But in New Zealand. But did you actually see 95 cents? Oh, it's very rare. But it does happen okay. if it's a raging hot favourite for a place, not for the win, for a place. But why would anyone bet? Well, I wouldn't. Yeah, but yeah. why have it? I don't know. Yeah. That I don't know. Give the program, lads. And then, yeah. yeah, it is called a pocket square. And Murray, Murray, Murray sends me through front of us always underwear. You've got problems, first of all, Murray. But secondly, <laughs> secondly, I wasn't that impressed with your pocket spears. Ties, I get it. My aunt has a, 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 a shelf full of ties. You only need like five pocket spears, squares. But some of them were matching his ties. Hey, I've got one. I'm, and they I'm, probably I'm, match his underwear as well. Oh, that's true. Mm. Murray sent me through <laughs> the complete package. Yeah, the complete package. All he was wearing was underwear, a tie, and he glued the pocket square over his nipple. You know Murray's going to do this. <laughs> Next week's photo, team. Next week's photo. Uh, what else happening, John? It's coming. Uh, no. Yeah. But if we'd done our, we did not mention what our hot topic of the week is. We were cranking through. Oh, okay. So the hot topic of the week is because I'm going to add my two cents in here before we even go to next week. Oh, we're not allowed to do that. Well, we're going to do it on this occasion. Oh, just a quickie. Oh, someone can break the rules. Yeah. I've actually got rid of the show notes, but I pull them up right now. And it basically, is Iron Man bad for the environment? And I've kind of put this in a two-part question. Um, let me just get the show notes here. So, is Iron Man bad for the environment? Uh, if you feel it is, identify why this is the case. We also want to know what we could do to improve our environmental impact. John? So, I'm going to go just point number one. If you've got a Christmas tree up, turn your lights off during the day at least. Why? 
Well, somebody over there is you're using up power. You're not, not very power. environmentally New friendly. New Zealand we use water. Sorry? In New Zealand we use water for power. Oh, let's just ease up on the power. What's wrong with using power? Oh, I just don't want you using it. Let our, let our lakes fill up a little bit more. But they, 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 don't, they don't use the water and get rid of it. Oh. It's a hydro dam. It's no. a dam. Just save your power. Save your, 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 We're not burning coal. Save your money from but your, John, your power saving. But John, what's the point saving? of having a Christmas tree if you can't have your lights on? They turn you on are night. the Christmas Grinch. <laughs> and then you can use that money for your gambling. No, John. Because last year, Joe was like, can we, should we turn on the light at night? I was like, babe, when you walk up our stairs in the morning and you see the lights. Mm-hmm. Oh, John. Christmas Grinch. Our bloody decorations have gone up before December the 1st. So I lose that battle every time because I communicate. Communicate. <laughs> yeah, I'm just and I the needs. Or you're under the needs. thumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Righty ho. Anything else, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to Christmas shopping. Running yep. a list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Friday. That's the way to do it, eh? Yeah. More for your dollar. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing, John. What we normally do is for each person in the family, we have an allocated budget. Mm-hmm. So we tend to spend fifty dollars, hundred and hundred dollars on parents. On Black Friday, if you get a deal that say something worth maybe sixty dollars, but you get it for thirty, do you spend extra twenty? I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> no, no. As long as it's over the value, you got yourself a deal. But you got to make sure it's something they can't exchange. Yeah, because then they see that you spent only thirty. Mm, true. Yeah. Sorry, they didn't issue, issue exchange vouchers. Yeah, no, no, you have to. Sorry, this XXXL mm, yeah. for your 13 year old niece. Yeah. Sorry, no. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Make it into a tent. Yeah. Okay, there, there you go. So, so you would say don't spend the extra money? Especially if it's a reasonable amount over. If, I would probably say more if it's 80 and you got it for 45. And if your margin was 50, yeah, I'd yeah. say you're sweet. Yeah, that's all right. If it was 55 and you got it for 20? Yeah. You got to spend a bit more? Yeah, I think so. Okay. There you go. I'm Russ. I'm Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.